On this uh, retreat, there's opportunity to investigate Dhamma. And so this is like the, this is why many of us are attracted to Buddhist teachings and this style because it is a, it's an invitation to investigate, to find out, rather than system of doctrines and beliefs that we accept on faith. And so we're investigating the very, you know, the, what's closest, what we have to live with our whole lives, the, the bodies we have, the sense, the senses, the, uh, the nama rupa, salayatana, pasavedana, dhanha, upadana, the whole rest, birth and death. Because these are taken for granted, or we, when, uh, you know, in our culture, our society doesn't encourage us to investigate uh, in this way. And from this intuitive observing, mindfulness. Just uh, like the Sakya Ditti, this first fetter, personality view. And, and that's when, when now we're investigate what is personality what is the ego we these are the ego is a common enough word we say egotistical or self-centered self-importance or we raise the self the individual you know as my rights my view my opinion uh, as as if what i think in my particular way of looking at everything is somehow to be respected and or raised up or accepted or whatever. But in investigating this way we're, we're uh, you know we're using this discerning ability to see like thinking itself. So the, this is not an analytical style where you're starting with a some kind of uh, concept or doctrine or position but using you know developing a sense of awareness and observing listening listening to thinking rather than trying to to think about thinking when we try to think about thinking and form you know, views about what right thinking is and wrong thinking and good thinking, bad thinking. <clears throat> then we, we are caught in this, uh, in the thinking. When we, when we think in good ways, uh, we feel, you know, we feel we should be positive, uh, loving, compassionate, think in terms of, of grand views, of selflessness, and then selfish thinking, vain thinking, uh, you know, evil thinking, wanting to harm, hurt, deceive, corrupt, and that is bad, and then the other is good. So thinking can be, you know, it has all the variations of the best to the worst, good and bad, because 
thinking itself is a creation, human creation. Whether you think in English or Thai or whatever language is not the issue. Languages are created by human beings. But that which observes thinking is not about being an English speaker or a Thai speaker or German speaker or anything like that. It's not about, it's, uh, this is, this is uh, universal intelligence. We're learning to, to uh, not come from cultural biases, blindly operating from assumptions, from cultural conditioning or personal views and opinions. So this is where this uh, unconditioned, unborn, uncreated, like in the Paticca Samupada uh, that I was reflecting on yesterday morning, where avicca bhajaya sankara. So the, the avijja or ignorance of Dhamma, or the truth of the way it is, the ignorance of reality, then that affects everything that we experience. It's like if you're looking through uh, a distorted glass. A, 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 you have glasses that distort everything, so you don't see clearly. But you, everything is affected by that distortion. So, you know, consciousness is affected. You, you interpret your experience, even though consciousness. Is a, is a you know we we interpret it affects our conscious experience ignorance and consciousness and this uh, self view then if this is our reality me and mine and what I think and my appearance my life then that that very distortion is how I interpret life and all that happens. It's always from this perception of myself as as this body, this these uh, habits, emotions, cultural conditioning, views and opinions. Now, in the in the Paticca Samuppada, you have the uh, Anuloma, which is the the Avicca Bhajaya Sankara. So that's coming from avicca, then everything else, your whole experience of life is distorted through that. Which, you know, is quite obvious, isn't it? So, people, you know, uh, we each interpret, you know, if our own experience of life is coming from our own particular cultural biases, identities, perceptions, good, bad, right or wrong, whatever, religious biases, racial, gender, whatever. We, we interpret experience of life always from, from distortion of a self, of a, this illusion of a permanent self or soul that's separate from everything else. So that's why, you know, to live in harmony and things like this is very difficult because each one of us creates our own illusory world. 
You know, that's why, you know, we find each other sometimes exasperating or can't figure out why people act like that or say things like that or do things like that because, you know, I wouldn't do that. And I think that, that something's wrong with them because they they do something I wouldn't do. But then I probably do things they wouldn't do. So, I mean, it's, you know, on a personal level, the conditioning process is, you know, we have certain things in common, but basically, you know, we operate as from the ego, from the sense of, I'm this person, my life, me and mine. So at least we can agree on, say, morality, you know, not to, you know, we, this is uh, the value of, of morality because we can agree not to at least do uh, harm each other or intentionally abuse or insult or despise or steal or whatever from each other. We have a kind of moral agreements, five precepts. Eight precepts, ten precepts, Vinaya, all about agreed behavior and relationship according to, to uh, agreed behavior to, uh, you know, because we have to deal with our own particular karmic tendencies within a context of agreed behavior, action and speech. So I always found this quite a relief. Uh, when I began to uh, understand the Buddhist view of morality, of sila, because being brought up as a Christian, you know, I was brought up with the idea that immorality, that even thoughts were immoral. You know, so if you, you know, you had dirty thoughts, you were immoral. Or you had violent feelings that was immoral. So, so you, you know, you have this uh, sense of, it's kind of hopelessness because, uh, how can you only have moral thoughts, good thoughts, kind thoughts, isn't it? We all experience love and hate and fear and jealousy and anger and resentment. And uh, and a lot of those are bad thoughts, not very nice, not very good. And that's and then we if we consider that bad thoughts are immoral. So in the in the Buddhist context, uh, the precepts are about action and speech, because there we can be responsible for our physical actions and what we say. For our thinking process, you know, conditions change. You know, you're going to feel happy, sad, according to the weather. Or, you know, when you get what you want or don't get what you want, or you're caught in envy or jealousy or resentment or even wanting to to commit violent acts or seek revenge or get even or spread uh, gossip or rumors about others. We all... You know, we're n- none of us are saints. This isn't a saintly life of uh, birth that we, we're involved with. This is being human. 
And the, the gift of our humanity allows us to agree on at least refraining from actions that cause harm and, and are divisive, harm to ourselves and harm to those around us with uh, physical action and speech. Now in the, uh, so that like Vinaya is, uh, is a greed behavior according to a tradition. And that's when, when you take the Samana life, you're, you're living according to Vinaya rather than to personal uh, views or modern day attitudes or ideals of the present age. This, a traditional form means that it's, it's carried through a lineage. It's not something that, that just uh, changes according to particular, uh, you know, moods of the day or attitudes of the time. So you think Theravada Buddhism has quite a long history and it survived, it wouldn't have survived if the Buddha hadn't established Vinaya. There was no way it could kind of be carried on from one generation to the next, <clears throat> just on the level of Dhamma teaching. And now in uh, Paticca Samupada, Vicha is the cause, suffering is the result. If we're always coming from a Vicha, then the result of our lives will always be some form of discontentment, unhappiness, fear, anxiety, worry. But then in uh, the Niroda side of Paticca Samupada, dependent origination and then cessation, Niroda is the Pali word for cessation. It's the third noble truth. You look at the, the Anuloma, the, the first part. It's about second noble truth, the causes of suffering. Avicca is the cause. And then the cessation of suffering is the Niroda side. Patiloma. Now when you, you know, if you, in my own experiments, investigating this, I think, if I come from Sakaya Ditti, then uh, that affects, you know, how I see myself, how I see you, how I see the society I'm in. And that is, is a vicha, you know, ignorant of, I'm, I'm this Ajahn Sumedho, I am this physical being, I feel like this. Now, when we're investigating Sakaditi, you know, I keep emphasizing listening, observing, we're not trying to destroy the ego, but to see it, so we're no longer, uh, grasping it. No longer, binding ourselves, operating always from the me and mine position. 
So that is mindfulness, isn't it? Emptiness. This pure state of awareness. Then the neuroda. What arises, ceases. There's no avicca. Once you appreciate emptiness or pure conscious awareness, that is the end of avicca. It's, it's the cessation of ignorance. Just that. It's an imminent here and now, reality. That's why in the Sangha life, you know, having monks and nuns and lay people, Anagarikas, Anagarikas, and all that, and, and there's gender issues and all that, is too much. And, you know, we operate from gender identities, from, from identity within a structure. So there's no hope for any of us if that's what, if that's how we, we operate in this convention. We're, we're not using it for liberation, but for position. <clears throat> So the agreed structure is this, you know, the Bhikkhu Sangha, the Siladhara. It's good enough. I'm not saying it's, you know, you don't need perfect. There's no conventions that are perfect. But it's good enough for liberation from ignorance. And that's what we're, is liberating ourselves from avicca, getting outside of avicca through awareness, not through trying to become a bhikkhuni or get, you know, equal rights and, and uh, all kinds of ideas of the present time, but through observing this sense of wanting equality or wanting, not wanting things to be the way they are. The moral structure is here. You know, that's important. The, the agreed sense of moral relationships. Now the rest is we, you know, we use what the conventions we find uh, that we've been empowered with through our upasampada or bhampacha. Use that not for, not with a vicha, but from vicha or panya, wisdom, discernment. And, and to discern, you have to investigate you don't operate, you know, even Buddhism can be another form of attachment. We can operate from, we can make doctrines out of Theravada Buddhism. Thai forest tradition can become, uh, you know, in a doctrine or, or uh, Tibetan Buddhism or any of it. It becomes a kind of condition that we attach to rather than use for awakening and awareness, investigation. So in this uh, first fetter, uh, Sakayaditi is merely thinking about yourself, isn't it? It's the assumptions, I'm, 
my name is Ajahn Sumedho and I'm like this and so forth. And, and listening to, to the thinking process, both in its neutral aspects or its uh, selfish, vain and, and uh, not very good side or the, the bad the, or the, uh, the, the aspiration, the idealistic Ajahn Sumato or whatever. It's just listening and non-judging. So awareness is not a critical function. So it, it's, it's consciousness with awareness, awareness and wisdom operating. And then that's seen clearly. It's seen through, uh, through, a, through the glass that's clear, not blemished, not distorted. You see, that's enlightenment, isn't it? Seeing clearly the way it is. Seeing things as they are. Light always has a sense of, you know, seeing, you know, if it's dark, you can't see anything. So you switch on the light, and then you can see. But if you switch on a light with a consciousness that is is distorted, then you see everything from me and mine and what I think, like, and what's right and wrong, good and bad, according to cultural conditioning, religious attitudes, personal tendencies, judgments, preferences, prejudices, biases. We see everything through a distortion. So the the aim of this retreat is to encourage seeing clearly, you know, not from personal uh, positioning, but from pure consciousness, which is the same for all of us. It's not it's not personal anymore. It's not monk consciousness or non consciousness. It's not about being Asian or European or anything like that. It's consciousness. There's no no quality to it. But it's like this. It's a kind of it's a knowing. And in and in the forms that we we're born into, these human bodies that we live with, we have to learn from this, this position. The limitation of our own physical body. And uh, and whatever that might mean, whether it's male or female, isn't the issue, or it's disabled. Maybe you know, can disabled people become enlightened, or do you have to be perfect, perfectly fit and healthy, or whatever age of your body, whether you're old or young? Because consciousness doesn't, isn't about old age and isn't about being European or Asian or being male and female. But then when we attach to those perceptions, then we, we're experiencing consciousness through the distortion that we're bound to out of ignorance. So if I'm attached to being a male, then I, then I always, uh, you know, I'm, there's consciousness, but always that distortion of the sense of myself as being a man is 
has its effect on the unconscious experience. It isolates, separates, divides. You know, so there's men and women, two genders, and then there's uh, personal. So one can be caught totally obsessed with one's own particular view or personality or opinion. The more isolated you become, the more kind of self-centered and narrow you become, obsessed with yourself alone, a kind of, they call solipsism. It's like a, where you're, you're only interested in, in yourself alone that excludes everybody else, is, a, is one extreme. So in Niroda, then, when uh, avicca is is no longer our modus operandi, we're not coming from that. Then, the, then everything, and in that process of Niroda, it you know, then it you know, wherever we're mindful, that that is the cessation. So we do. Maybe we start out with avicca, get caught up in in me and mine and what I think, and then this awakening right now, suddenly. That's Niroda, just that simple attentiveness in the present. And, and, but we don't notice Niroda in our lives, you, you know, that if we're just obsessed with Avicca and, and the separate self-personality. You know, we don't, we, we don't even know what it means, it doesn't mean anything, because we're always seen ourselves in, in very habitual uh, ways of seeing uh, through the ego, through the sense of a separate personality. So it's like to uh, extirpate avicca. It's not a kind of, you know, you're not trying to suppress it, but recognize. Avicca is the unquestioned sense of me and mine, thinking. And, and we recognize that with mindfulness, you're not, it doesn't imply thinking. It doesn't exclude thinking. So we can look at thinking, but rather than being operating from thinking. And can you really do that? That's, that? that's quite a challenge for most of us. It was for me to be able to get outside my view or my opinion or my thinking process. To get some perspective on thinking without thinking. You know, modern, we're so educated now, we're taught, you know, our life, our education, our society, all about thinking, having views and opinions. You know, so culturally we're conditioned to be thinkers. And, the, you know, this minutia, mano, the word mano, man, uh, the English word man really um, probably traces its roots back to Sanskrit Pali, to mano, thinking being. 
It doesn't necessarily imply male gender. Because mono isn't about uh, gender, it's about thinking, the thinking mind. Ability to think. And so we have, we think we have retentive memories, we can accumulate knowledge about all kinds of things. And we have, uh, we're, we, we have uh, intelligence to, to discriminate and make judgments, value judgments about conditions. Then uh, intuitive awareness, the unborn, uncreated, is, is completely lost to us. You know, we, we, we don't even notice it. It's not even a, a, a part of our cultural conditioning. Our culture doesn't even mention it. So it's all about, you know, progress. You know, the ideal, the American ideal of progress. Everything we want to progress, make everything better. And so this, this idea that things have to, should be progressive, getting better and better. And so the Buddha emphasized that things, you know, get better and then they reach a peak and then they degenerate. Like inhaling and exhaling and things like that. The nature of condition phenomena is a Nietzsche, impermanent. Birth is the cause of death. You know, so... So it's a, so matter of fact, so obviously, so obvious, isn't it, that that birth is the cause of death? And yet, how many of you ever really contemplated that? Birth is good, and death isn't. Yet, if 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 there were no birth, there wouldn't be any death either. So it's uh, you know, it's just examining rather than operating from. I'm on the side of birth, of youth, of health, of happiness, of progress, success, self-fulfillment, and all the rest. I don't like the other side of life. Old age I don't like, sickness, death, loss, degeneration, decay, and all the rest. I, I don't want any of that in my life. I want only the other. Because that's the best and the other side is the worst. So of course we want the best and we don't want the worst. So that's desire, isn't it? Dunha. I want happiness, I don't want misery. I want good health, strength. I don't want to be sick and weak. I'd like to stay young and beautiful forever. I don't want to get old and wrinkled. But in investigating Dhamma, we're, you know, we're not coming from what I particularly want or my cultural conditioning provides me with biases and attitudes, but getting to a universal intelligence, and it's like consciousness then, is, and, and these Buddhist teachings like the Paticca Samuppada, dependent origination, or the Four Noble Truths. These are teachings to be used for investigating reality, 
for awakening. They're not teachings to be grasped as ends in themselves. So they're not doctrinal, you know, they're not, you don't operate from, uh, you know, by grasping the Four Noble Truths of some kind of Buddhist doctrine. It's, it's obviously, its whole structure is about taking something banal and ordinary that we all can relate to as suffering and investigating it. First Noble Truth is there is dukkha, there is suffering. There's nothing kind of esoteric or or mystical about suffering, isn't it? We, but we can certainly all recognize it in our own minds. But it's investigating this, this through these this four noble truths sequence is a way of of contemplating and reflecting on the experience of suffering. So that you, you know, you you're informing consciousness with wisdom to see, have the insights into letting go of the causes of suffering and uh, realizing the end of suffering, recognizing Niroda, actually observing, being uh, the knower of Niroda, knowing the end of suffering in the jitta, in the, in the consciousness here and now. Now the problem is with most of us is we under, we can understand the, the words quite well, but to actually practice the Bhattibhata is the real challenge for us. Because we, you know, it's not, uh, we're, we're educated to think and, and, uh, about things and we can, because we can understand maybe the, the theory or the, academic side or the Bariata Dhamma, we think we understand the Dhamma. That we can delude ourselves into thinking, I really know the Dhamma, I've read the whole Tripitaka <clears throat> ten times. Memorize, some monks can memorize the whole Tripitaka and uh, be poly scholars and know everything about Buddhism and still not practice it. So there's this Varyati Dhamma, which is the, the scriptural teaching, then the Bhattibhata, and then the Bhattivait, or the result of the practice. So this is insight, isn't it? Insight, the result of my practice is like this. If I have awareness, then the result of being aware is non-suffering. The result of being attached to things is uh, suffering. And this, you, you, you know, you're looking inward at your, your own sense of yourself and the, and the causes of suffering that, that you find, you know, your own attachments, biases, fears and desires. You're observing them rather than trying to get rid of them or operating from them. 
believing in your own thoughts, your own emotional habits, your own prejudices. Now the advantage of the Samana life is towards it's um, supposed to lead towards humility, contentment, and gratitude. It's not to become anything or make us arrogant. We're not a priesthood, you know, a Brahmin class of priests uh, that, you know, have special privileges. We're alms mendicants, beggars. So on that, that can be seen as a, in the, the Sakyaditi level, but consider it. It's, you know, easy to see out to become, uh, you know, thinking of ourselves as more like a priesthood. You know, a privileged uh, religious uh, aspirants who are living the holy life celibate and and all this always we can see it in terms of being better than those who aren't doing it and that's Sakya Ditti but if you in whatever way you feel is to observe it is not to judge it if you feel that somehow being a, a Samana is uh, your your better than somebody else, is like this, feeling better, feeling purer, feeling, uh, you know, whatever way you feel about yourself is like this. And then this awareness of that feeling. So in, in the three kilesas that completely obstruct the path is the mana ditti danha. Mana is a, is the I am better. I am inferior, or I'm just the same. It's always a sense of uh, it's a conceit, a sense of uh, uh, identity with with the sense of a separate self compared to others. Maybe we're egalitarians, we're all just as good, and there's nobody better or worse. That's still mana. Or if you, I'm not as good as you, or I'm better than you. Contemplate that. The, the, the common factors, they all start with I. I am uh, better, I am worse, or I am the same. And, and that's, uh, you know, we ha we're caught in that, operate that, that particular pronoun, I am. And yet you can actually observe yourself thinking, I am. At least I can, so I assume the rest of you can do it. And I start thinking, I, and I can, I can intentionally think, I, and observe it. 
the observing is not an I, is it? I is merely a convention. And yet, that very personal pronoun, I, can be the avicca that will always be the cause of suffering unless we see it and no longer operate always from uh, a blind attachment to the pronoun I am. And then I can, you know, I can see myself on a personal level, you know, through, you know, how my personality operates and my karmic tendencies see it in terms of I'm better, worse, the same as. And this we can observe, you know, you can observe yourself thinking. You don't think about observing or think about thinking, but you can observe thinking. So it's like listening to, to whatever you're thinking. You know, not, don't be afraid of thinking, but be the knower of thinking rather than the, the thinker. That famous Rodin sculptor of the thinker, the gate of hell in utter anguish, isn't it? Thinks too much. It's a good, good uh, icon for Western civilization, where we have the Buddha Rupa. You know, they don't think. It's composed, isn't it, in state of equanimity. Supposedly, the you know the iconic Buddha image is a human form in the state of attention, awareness, not thinking. And then Ditti uh, is uh, is mana. Then Ditti is is as I'm I'm more advanced than you are. I'm better. My way is the right way. The way I practice is the way you should practice. My my way is better than anyone else. <laughs> so you get opinion. You get a lot of opinions. Ditti in in uh, Buddhist circles. The higher, the lower, my way, the right way. <clears throat> and this is thinking again, right and wrong, my way's the best. This is the conceits that hang, hang on the human consciousness, even after <coughs> insight. One can be very, you know, have insight and still be caught in ditti and mana. And then dhanha is desire, of course. And desire, this realm, is the desire realm. You know, the body's desire. The, the senses are about desire. Planet Earth is about, you know, it's a, it's a hot realm of sensitivity. You know, it's on fire. So that this is the, the sense realm and desire Dunha 
But you can know desire, you can observe desire. There's this ability to be mindful of desire. And that's not desire. So you discern the difference when there's desire and no desire. So in, you know, like in uh, using sound of silence, I've used that as a reference. Because the, the thinking process kind of packs up immediately. As soon as I tune into the sound of silence, there's still attention and awareness, but the thinking, I'm not thinking. It's like a poised attentiveness. I'm not focused on any one thing. I'm not kind of looking at, at any object or absorbing into any condition, but just this state of pure attention in the present that is not being distorted with thoughts, views, opinions, or attachment to any condition, but it's like this. So it's, it's a way of recognizing it. This is it. This is pure non-self. Then, then once you, and, and it's, it's, I encourage you to affirm it, to really consciously Use consciousness with affirmation. This is, this, this state of just attentiveness is like this. This is the path. This is it. Not that, it has nothing to do with me or my, me attaining anything or becoming it. It's just noticing, discerning. And it's not grasping the perception of sound of silence either. That's, you know, not trying to say, ah, now I listen to the sound of silence and I don't have any self anymore. It can be another form of self-delusion. But it's, it's merely an expedient way of, of um, getting perspective on the conditions, especially on the Sakyaditi Thila Bhattabharamasa Vichikita the first three fetters. But then we have to live in this intimidating realm of our human bodies. You know, wherever you go, you, wherever you are, your, your body's with you. So even in the sound of silence, the body's still here in the, in the momentum of karma. You know, so it easily we we go back, fall back into the habit patterns uh, that we've uh, acquired, accumulated, and so this is a way of training, constantly remembering, like coming here in the morning uh, and meditating. All I do is just sit and observe, and when the mind starts moving into thinking or that then I bring it back to sound of silence. So I'm just sitting in a state of, of a attention, and 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 rec and appreciating that, 
recognize it rather than coming in here with an agenda I've got to get this, get samadhi, do this, do that or just come in out of intimidation. How many of you come in because you're supposed to, because it's on the schedule and the pressure of the sangha forces you to do it or you feel, you know, you've got to hold up your, do your part in supporting this retreat so you come in but you're not aware of anything other than you're doing your duty or fear of what others might think or uh, and, and all this is sakyaditi again, isn't it? It's uh, we operate even on a retreat from you know being you know performing my duty and being here on time and and really practicing in order to what get something we don't have or get rid of ignorance or get rid of greed, hatred, and delusion. So on the conditional level, it's like this <clears throat> catch-22. There's no way you can get out of the trap by thinking or by operating from sakyaditi. That's why you can't, you can't personally make yourself into an enlightened person. But seeing that personality is not, uh, you know, not annihilating it, but no longer being intimidated, bound, deluded, and in that distortion of what you think you are, what you believe you are. And so, like this, this is for the Samana Sangha. This is this is our main, you know. This is what we're here for. This is uh, we're not here for, you know, being teachers or serving the society or or anything else. This is this is our main what duty is to practice. This is this is the advantage of monastic life. It's, it's, we're we're fortunate enough to. This is what we do. This is our what, what we, you know, the life of a samana is about. And it's not for personal attainment or identity, but an expedient means to support opportunities and cultivating the path of awareness, recognizing it. You have to recognize it first. You can think of idealize a path of awareness or path to the deathless or the eightfold path and still <clears throat> miss out, you know, totally miss the point. It's not a matter of, of thinking or analyzing or, or trying to create an illusion, but be aware of whatever you're doing. You know, whatever you come in in the morning with the idea of I've got to get my samadhi. Be aware of that. And then you can investigate that I'm someone that has to get something I don't have is like this. And then you discern that which is aware of I've got a, uh, the thought I, I want to get my samadhi. That which is aware of that thought 
It's our discerning. There's there's a separation there. There's there's a distance, isn't it? There's there's I've got to get my samadhi is a thought, a, a perception in the mind, but there's an awareness of it. And that awareness is not is not a, a person. Where I've got to get my samadhi definitely defines me as somebody trying to get something that I want or think I should get or performing my duties or whatever. Where the actual awareness doesn't have any of that. It's, it's certainly discerning. It's not judging. It's not saying you shouldn't think like that. You should come... Always when you come in the morning, I expect every one of you come in with a totally empty mind, completely present, walk in here and and uh, sit down and contemplate emptiness. But even if you come in with, a, with all kinds of crazy ideas in your mind, still the point of awakened attention, knowing that they are what they are, You know, so we're not trying to perform, you know, wear, wear masks of sainthood or try to, to, you know, act, act like some ideal samanas. That doesn't work, as you well know. But the, uh, using this to remind uh, ourselves to, to see, see the, our, what our, you know, place in this society, being summonized within the society, alms mendicants, based on, you know, on depending on the goodness of others for our basic necessities, for requirements, robes, food, shelter, and medicine. So we're you know, I, the ideal is not to become a, a clever monk with, you know, as I regard as a great meditation master and, a, and all this kind of stuff, but become very simple-minded again to think, you know, the shelter for the night, oh, thank you, rather than, I, you know, I want a better shelter than the one I have. Or the shelter I have, I, I, I want to keep for myself. Or I'm a senior monk, so I should have a better shelter than a junior monk. I mean, though it's quite possible to think things like that, but but that's, you know, the samana, we have this reference, shelter for the night. So it's a, it's a sanya, it's a kind of memory of what we're here for. Just We're not expecting the best or everything to be what we want, but whatever we get to be grateful for to develop this sense of of gratitude and uh, for that is extended by the lay community to the samana sanya so in, in even and you know when offered to bhikkhu sangha <clears throat> how many of the nuns feel resentful that they aren't mentioned because they want to be equally recognized is one way of thinking. That's Sakya Ditti, isn't it? Or 
to be grateful for the offering to the bhikkhu sangha of requisites is, uh, you know, is, is my recommendation to find joy in the generosity that, that the lay community extends to bhikkhu sangha, siladhara sangha, anagarika is not to, to see it in terms of you didn't mention me and, and uh, I'm part of the sangha too because that, then, there's, then that creates this sense of uh, lack of gratitude and appreciation and the good, good act, generous acts that, that come our way to support our meditation. So, but if we feel, you know, hurt or offended by things, then that's something to look at, to learn from. <clears throat> to, to recognize as it is what it is. So in, in feeling Offended because, you know, sometimes uh, people are, say, this person, uh, you know, has done a lot and this, this monk has done a lot and this nun has practiced hard and then somebody feels left out. You know, they, you know, I've been here longer than those monks or nuns and yet they didn't mention me. It's certainly a human emotion, you know, certainly understandable in terms of human, a uh, human individual wanting appreciation. Or if that should happen, then to see that as a challenge, you know, observe. What about me? Why didn't they mention me? And these are ways of using, you know, our, you know, our, these, uh, dittimana problems mana diti dhanha to develop the path. Because as samanas then, you know, we're not saying I, I should get, we should all get exactly the same. That's, uh, you know, there shouldn't be any preference, all exactly the same, but, uh, you know, it's, but we do. And I remember when, uh, in Thailand, when they started Monks started using stainless steel alms bowls. Before we had these iron alms bowls, and they were always rusting, and they were much more difficult to take care of. And so, a lot of the rules, Vinaya rules around taking care of the bowl, is to is to protect it, and supposed to treat it like it was the head of the Buddha, uh, not expose it uh, to danger. Because also is you you know they rust very easily metal rusts and then it uh, and then you get holes in your alms bowl and the curries leak out through it and mixed with rust and so forth doesn't make the food taste any better and uh so we we do we used to spend a lot of time you know taking care of alms bowls and that's why how nana chat originated the wat banana chat in thailand was we went, uh, we all went to Bung Wai village to fire our alms bowls, which were getting rusty. And then stainless steel came in. 
stainless steel doesn't rust. And I remember when I seen the monk with the stainless steel on the boy, I felt. And I, sometimes I'm, I'm a Farang monk that was junior to me got one and I didn't. And then the ditty would come up, you know, you know, here, you know, why don't they give me a stainless steel arms bowl? I'm senior. <laughs> now that, that is human, isn't it? You know, envy, somebody has something better than I have and to envy it. Or then I could go into playing the role, well, I don't care, I'm just happy with my alms bowl, that's good enough. And, you know, I'm not going to make any problem about it and then trying to, to convince myself, you know, that I'm just being a good summoner I don't need stainless steel alms bowls. I'm completely content with my rusty alms bowl. <laughs> it's another Sakya Ditti, isn't it? That's why I get to know Sakya Ditti. In all, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's more or less selfish, uh, obvious factors. And then it's trying to pretend, you know, that you shouldn't feel this way. You should be grateful when you're not. Or you should be content with what you have when you're not. Mindfulness allows us to look at discontentment, envy, jealousy, our own guilt and trying to act and pretend that we are something we're not. And it's not judging, it's not saying good, bad, but it's observing, discerning sakyaditis like this. And as you really see sakyaditi and attachment to it, then it's like you don't want to attach to it anymore. You have this insight and letting go of it. You know it. You know what it's like to to burn yourself when putting your finger in the candle flame hurts. Putting yourself in attached to Sakyaditi is painful, is dukkha. And in this, so that then you, you don't have to, to uh, put out the fire, but you can just not grasp it anymore. <clears throat> like we can admire the candle flame without grasping the flame. So that this realm, the sense realm, can be witnessed and observed without grasping it, without burning ourselves with it, harming ourselves through grasping the sense, uh, sense objects and uh, mental conditions that we create. So I hope you you kind of, uh, sometimes I feel frustrated because I've been talking like this for years <laughs> and still I sometimes wonder if I've been wasting my time. <laughs>